Thank you, too. How many of you like that youth camp video? How many of you, how many of you just want to watch that for like 30 minutes? That, that's, that's exactly what youth camp was like, actually. It was like trancey, dubstepy, loud music, and you just went from one event to another event really quickly, and there was usually some sort of sort of water or slide or rope or something. We played this game called Battle Tag, right? All, all the people who just cheered for it are the only people who are not injured. <laughs> Everyone else is at the hospital. It's, battle Tag is basically, it's basically a reason to tackle somebody as hard as you can, but put some rules around it so that it's socially acceptable. I'm too old to play it. I don't even, I don't even try. I offered to, to start a new game called Diplomacy Tag. And if you get the ball or someone takes it from you, you impose sanctions on them and expensive tariffs and things of that nature. But nobody went for that. People wanted to see compound fractures. They wanted to see people's spines removed from their bodies. I mean, it's just the people's heads coming off. No, I'm just joking. We had a great time. However, when you say the word camp, you usually think of going out into the woods and sleeping at some point, right? If you don't sleep, you just go out in the woods and come back. It's called a hike. But, so the implication is that you go and you sleep at some point, but you don't. It should be called youth sleep deprivation. You feeling me? These kids, they go to bed at like midnight and they wake up at like three every day of their life. But they manage to get nothing done the whole 21 hours they're awake. The only time that they sleep, the only time that they ever sleep is if somebody is talking about the Bible and how to make their life better. Yeah. You know what you guys should do with your life? Oh. I can't stay awake. I'm falling asleep. You're like, oh, great. Okay. So you were up to steal Wiley's Pop-Tarts, right? Wiley, one of the leaders, brings 48 packs of Pop-Tarts. You know how many he got? Zero. 96 Pop-Tarts were stolen. At some point, we think we know who it is, but they shall remain Nameless, once they get out of the hospital. <laughs> it's going to be serious trouble. A couple of announcements. We've said them already, but second service is coming up, right? September 10th. Yep. Woo! You might not know this, but when you study the research, you find out that when a building is roughly 70 to 80% full, it is full. People will not come to that building anymore. It's a weird thing. But people just don't want to scrunch in. Our building right now is 70 to 80% full on Sunday mornings. Our parking lot is at least that full on Sunday mornings. And so to offer another opportunity for people to come and find God, to come to faith, to find Christian community, one of the very best things you can do is start another service. Give people an option. Open up the building. You increase your capacity. You double it or almost double it by running another service. And so that's a huge thing. Please be on board for that. Come check it out. It's going to offer a lot of people opportunities if you're serving in different areas. Also, a week from today, food truck Sunday. Raise your hand if that's the best news you've heard all day long. 
there's going to be three different food trucks. Tortaloca, which I've been to. Is it Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday is Dollar Taco Day. Tuesday is Dollar Taco Day, and you go, oh, Dollar Tacos, that's a great deal. Let me tell you a secret. It's a terrible deal. You know why? Because they're delicious, and you'll eat 27 tacos, and then it's really expensive. But they're delicious. What's the, uh, what, what's the flavor I get, Johnny? Where's Johnny? The Campechanos, Campe something, Spanish word. I, I don't know what it means, but it, I have a hunch it means baby angels because those things are so delicious. They are supernatural in some way. You feeling me, Christian? We're going to have Tortaloca out here. We're going to have the Sultan's, Sultan's Delight. I don't know what that is. It sounds illegal, but I'm sure. <laughs> I haven't been there. I think it's Middle Eastern food. It, it, it sounds good, too. I haven't been there. I'm anxious to try it. And also Walkstar. So some, they'll have some bento bowls. It's going to be a great time. Please invite your friends. It's really easy to get someone to come to, hey, come to my church. We're going to have these amazing food trucks. You can have some Sultan's Delight. You can have 27 tacos. Um, well, 27 tacos is going to cost more than $6, but it's worth it. Believe me. Anyway, so we're kicking off a new series today. The series is called, I Love My Church. How many of you love your church? How many of you love it more now that you know that we're going to have food trucks here next Sunday? Me too. Pastor Steve and Kim are doing some vacation, some ministry in La Paz, but would you like to let them know how much you love your church? Should we take a selfie video for them real quick? Okay, on the count of three, we're all going to yell, I love my church. Ready? I'm going to drop something. One, two, three. was really good. <laughs> I will. Not right now. It'll take me like an hour. We'll just play that youth camp video like five times in a row while I figure out how to send that. No, they'll really like that. They're down there for a couple of weeks. They're going to be in the pause doing some preaching, doing some ministry, doing some vacationing. But we want to start this series and talking about what it means to be a part of the church, what it means to be a part of the local church, how it helps you, how it helps other, and how that's really what God wants. God really allows our life to flourish when we're planted in the local church, right? And that's why I'm going to start talking about this, like I said, a week of youth sleep deprivation. I mean, youth camp, right? We came back. I got to drive the bus. Thank you. <laughs> I got to drive the bus. So if I make a sloppy mess of this today, don't worry. Pastor Natalie is going to come clean it up and fix it all next week. She's going to carry on with the series, okay? So reading out of Psalms 92, we're going to put this up on the board. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. It says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. The righteous. You guys know what the word righteous means? In right standing. You're doing the right things. You're in right standing with God. How many of you know that you usually know if you're in right standing with God or you're not? 
right? It's usually not a mystery. We usually know. The righteous flourish. You blossom. You produce fruit, right? You're healthy. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in one place. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. There, there needs to be more yeah than that. I'm telling you what. Even if you're too old to play battle tag, you still can flourish. They are ever full of sap and green. Okay. I'm a student of the Bible. Almost every time I read a verse in church, I have to talk a tiny bit about context and metaphor. Because this verse is saying, you're a palm tree. Have you ever said that to somebody? <laughs> Dom, bro, you look like a palm tree. I mean it. Biblical writers use metaphor. And in context, this meant something to somebody. It means something to us now, but it's a little harder to decode. Have you ever run into this before? I think the very best example of understanding context is from the movie Madagascar. So there's this hippo that goes to the reserve, right, from New York, and there's another hippo, a male hippo, that's trying to woo her. Now, if this was a human context, this would be the worst thing that you could say in order to try to woo a lady, right? Does anyone remember this scene? The, the guy Moto Moto walks in, and what does he say? Oh, girl, you huge. <laughs> The, the rap music, you chunky, oh girl, girl you, girl you huge, right? If you happen to be a human, hopefully all of us in here are humans, don't try that. Girl, you huge. It worked because they were hip, hippopotami. Hippopotamuses? Hippo they were hippos. <laughs> there was context there, right? It made sense. It doesn't make sense in other situations. And this verse is kind of similar. What up, girl? You a palm tree. Uh, thank you. What? So what are they talking about here? What's the psalmist writing? There's four features of a palm tree. There's, there's four main things that stick out, and that would have meant something in the day and age that it was spoken, and it means something to us today, especially in the context of flourishing, because palm trees are actually pretty interesting trees, but man, some, like the date palm, it produces hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of dates every year, right, even into old age. So we're going to go over four points real quick about what this means, what it would have meant at that time, and what it means to us today. Number one, are they up on the screen? Palm trees are always green. Have you noticed this before? Especially when there's palm trees planted locally here. There's one over on the east side of Medford, and when I drive by, it seems so out of place. <laughs> Anyone here have a brown thumb? You're not a green thumb. Every single thing you plant turns brown and dies immediately. I have a succulent in my office, and they're supposed to be really hardy, and I, I, I kill everyone I've ever had. 
If it dies, people are like, you're not watering it enough. Okay, so you water it, then it dies. You watered it too much. <laughs> Palm trees are always green. Palm trees, they're just like hanging out. They're like that person who comes to your party and they hang out for way too long, right? So it's like the middle of winter and everything else has died off and they're just standing there like, hey. <laughs> oh, it's getting late. Everyone's gone. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> They're always full of life. They're always green. They're always joyful, right? When you think of palm trees, going to the beach, that sort of thing, you think of having a good time, right? They're bursting with life. They're joyful. If there's one person in this church you think is bursting with life, joyful, always has a smile on their face, who do you think that person might be? Oh, boy, that worked out just like I expected it to. <laughs> hey, smiling right there. Oh, boy. I tell There's two kinds of people in this world, Johnny and everyone else, <laughs> right? Now, if you are as evil as me, and you are, <laughs> when you get around a person who is just exceedingly joyful all the time, what do you want to do? It's like in the Rocky movies, right? I must break you. <laughs> Nobody is allowed to be this happy about what we're doing right now. I'll be down here working. I work at the church, and I'm like, hey, Johnny, can you come help me with this understructure? <laughs> and he gets down there, and he's getting dust in his eyes, and he cuts his hand, and, and he's like, oh, I love this. This is, this is the best thing I've ever done. Oh, oh, this dust is blinding me. Now I get to use my other senses. Oh, man, this is great. Anything that makes you mad makes them happy. <laughs> I have him crawl through the attic with me in the summer. One time I, was, I had to dig fence posts out in the summer at my backyard. Who's dug fence posts out? It's the worst type of work you can do. It's, it's combining digging ditches with carrying heavy chunks of concrete, right? It's, it's awful. So Johnny goes, hey, want me to help you? And when someone offers, you, offers to help you pull fence posts out, you say... Yes, absolutely. His hands were so blistered by the end of the day, his, his flesh was falling off. He had more blister than he had skin. You know what I mean? It's like, what is there left to blister? And he was smiley and happy and stoked and having a great time, right? Why? Why are people like that? And why, when us evil people encounter someone like that, it just makes us so mad? Admit it. You're like, this chaps my hide. I want them to be mad too. And why? Why do we do that? I'll tell you why. Because we're jealous. You go, I want joy like that. I want to be happy in every single situation, but I will tell you, if you ask that guy right there, and he hates us right now, so, woo, plus one for the evil people. If you ask that guy right there, he won't say he gets his pleasure from taking his joy and his happiness from stuff that he gets, people piling on, compliments, blah, 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 none of that. Fame, affirmation, money, anything like that. He'll say, I get that from being planted in devotion with my creator. He'll tell you that, and he is. He is that thing. 
Happiness is something that you might take in, you try to get, you try to wring from life. Joy always comes from something that you give. And giving in the house of God, giving your money, giving your time, giving your focus, giving your heart, really showing up and saying, I want to be here, I want to be planted, I want to give something, is where you find real joy. And once you do that, you can tick people off so bad. (laughs) And it will feel so good. (laughs) Just joking, it won't feel good anymore because you'll be a totally different type of person. Number two. Palm trees grow in the desert, but they don't feed from the sand. If you look at that picture of a palm tree in the background right there, what do you think the ground that it's growing out of looks like? When you, when you hear of an, osa- an oasis in the desert, when you picture that kind of, that kind of uh, mental picture, you always see all this sand out in the desert, right? And you see palm trees growing out of it. And palm trees do grow in the desert. You don't see lots of other types of trees out there, but they don't get their nutrients from the sand. How many of you know that sand drains? When you want to make your yard drain faster, you want to make sure that roots don't stagnate, you put add sand to it and it drains water away, right? But palm trees, when they're in the sand like that, they have to grow really, really deep roots to get down to the water. And it's the same exact situation in our lives <laughs> where, oh, some good things came, some water fell, but it all went away so quickly. I met this person, and uh, they kind of came into my life. They made me happy, but then they went away. I got this money, and then it went away. I got X, Y, Z. Whatever the variable happens to be, it came, it felt good for a little while, and then it went away. It's not here anymore. In order to get your roots down to where there's life-giving soil, there's nutrients, there's water, you have to stay in one place. You have to remain planted. Who here has transplanted a plant before? You, it's going along, you dig it up by the roots, you put it somewhere else, lots of times they die. If you transplant it all the time, well, I'm going to go to this other church because there's new faces there. I'm going to go to this other place because there's new this. And I'm going to go here and there all over because there's water coming on me. But then it all goes away and I'm always in the same situation. It might be that transplanting yourself over and over is really short-circuiting what really needs to happen which is that you need to have roots that go down deep. In Mark 4, 17, Jesus is talking about this. He said, when you scatter seed, the, this, the word, the gospel goes out, and sometimes it falls on ground that's, you know, stony. Sometimes it falls on good ground, et cetera, et cetera. But he said, one of the reasons that people go away is because persecutions and afflictions come and people having no root within themselves. They have no root to stay. They have no root to keep them in one place, to keep them planted where they can draw nutrients. They can grow and they can produce fruit. Does that make sense? You have to put roots down deep in order to grow. Number three, palm trees do not break in storms. Palm trees don't break in storms. Did you guys see the slide up there with the other palm trees earlier? Uh, During worship, there was a different slide. I don't know if they could put that one on there, but there's these tall, skinny palm trees. I'm a fan of tall, skinny things. Look at those things. Now, it's a nice still day, but if there's hurricane winds blowing across those bad boys, most palm trees, if they're healthy, if they have roots deep enough and they have water, they're flexible, and in strong winds, when a storm blows against them, they can bend all the way to horizontal. They can bend all the way over to where they're at a 90 degree, actually, they're parallel with the earth. They're 90 degree to how they normally stand. They can bend all the way over. How many of you have experienced a storm before, and everyone's experienced a storm in, in, in some way or another. 
but you've experienced a storm and you weren't planted. You felt like, I am so dry. I am so devoid of God's spirit. I'm so devoid of God's community around me. I'm so devoid of people around me that can speak life into me that a storm comes by and you bend over, you snap, and you're on the ground. Something didn't work out. Any fruit that you could have had is on the ground. It's rotten. Anything that you could have done is broken. The storm was too much. You have to stay around long enough to get your roots deep enough so that you can flourish. What did Jesus say to the the fig tree when he came up to this fig tree and it had leaves, but it didn't have any fruit? He cursed it. In the Gospels, he walks by a fig tree, and this fig tree is always taking. It's taking, 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 and it's never producing fruit, putting fruit out. And Jesus cursed it, and it withered and died, which is what happens to my succulents. Not that I curse them, but they die. I was going to share a story of a lady that we heard about, African lady, suffering intense persecution, but I don't have time. Ask me about it later. Everyone suffers storms. Everybody. They come. They blow through in life. And you can't avoid going through them, but you can avoid being so dried out and brittle that it's easy to break. But it requires being planted. It requires not moving around anytime that you want to. It requires not feeding wherever you want to but allowing yourself to flourish where God has planted you. And number four, palm trees are used to recognize royalty. How many of you know the story of when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry? Jesus comes in, and his, his followers, people who believe that he's the Christ, they, what do they spread out underneath the donkey he's riding on? Palm leaves, right. Palm branches. Everything we've been talking about so far, being planted, flourishing, growing your leaves out, growing fruit, drawing nutrients, being in the Christian community of God, being planted, staying put, all of those things help your life. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but all of those things help your life immensely. They make your life better. You'll have a better family. You'll have a better marriage if you stay put. You'll have better kids. You'll have, you'll have a better business. You'll have almost everything in your life will become better. Does anyone want that? However, it's interesting that the last point and at the end of Jesus's ministry, even the very best of what we have, the best of what we can grow, the best fruit that we can produce, the very, very best things that we have to offer, even things that God gave us. And I don't think that God giving us a great family, a great job, I don't think him giving us good gifts is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. As long as we recognize that at the end of the day, the very highest and best thing that we could ever produce is only worthy of sacrificing at the feet of Jesus. They took palm leaves, palm branches, and put them under the feet, not only of Jesus, but of the donkey that he was riding on into Jerusalem, right? Our highest praise, 
the very, very, very best that we can offer is something that should be sacrificed. And we should always have that attitude. And it's interesting because if you're new, if you don't have never heard of Jesus, of what God has done, if you've never heard the gospel, this is the first point. The first point is you have to be planted and plug into God and draw from his life. That's The gospel is that we have this problem of sin, we have this problem of death, and we have to be planted in the life of Christ in order to receive eternal life, in order to receive the kind of life that God gives. But how many of you have been here a while, you've been in church, and you know that that's where life is found, but it's easy to drift away from that for whatever reason. It's like rogue trees who transplant themselves. Well, I'm kind of bored here. I'm going to go check this thing out. They pull their roots up, and they move, and they sit down somewhere else. And they always wonder, why am I not flourishing? Why is it so difficult for me to experience life anywhere that I go, right? And it's the same, it's the same exact thing in our, in our human lives, that we have to remain planted where the water is. We have to remain planted if we want to receive what God has for us. And it, it's a difficult thing. Because as humans, we want to be flighty, we want to move around, we want to go to what seems best, but that's just not the way that trees work. In the context of this, there's an implication. When it says that the righteous flourish, it also says it's because they're planted in the house of God. You know what the implication is? You don't flourish if you're not in the house of God. Does that make sense? And so I want, to, I want to pray for two groups of people. The first one, and the band can come up. If you're here and you have never experienced the life of God, if you go, maybe you've heard about Jesus, maybe you haven't. Maybe you have been to church, maybe you haven't. It, it really doesn't matter. What matters is if you know whether or not Jesus has died for your sins and offered to take your sin from you. He's offered to die in your place to satisfy what God requires of us, which is perfect holiness. If you go, Aaron, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I've never been to church or I've been to church and I never got it, but I know that I'm a broken person. I know that the storms that have blown across my life have knocked me over and I'm broken and I'm hurt and I don't know how to fix myself. I don't know how to get back up. If that's you, and you say, I need to call on God, and I need him to save me, to put the pieces back together, to breathe life into me, to give me life-giving water, if that's you, if you need to be saved, then I invite you to come on down. We're going to pray with you in the front. We're going to pray that God will allow you to come into his family, into his kingdom, and he will. If that's you, if you say, I... I I'm just giving this my last shot, my last crack. I'm just going to give it one more time. I don't, I've done such bad things. I've experienced such bad things. I don't know if God could ever save a person like me. I'm here to tell you that he can. He can, and he longs to. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows every thought. He knows every intent of the heart. God knows every person. He knows you 
Whether or not you know him, he knows who you are and he wants you. The picture of the prodigal son in the gospels is that the son who went out and he did his own thing and he got into a horrible place in his life and he was full of sin and he was he was disconnected from the family. When he came back to God and said, God, I'll do it your way, the father came running down the path to meet him. It says that the father fell on his neck in embrace and wept because he was so happy that his son had returned. If that's you, if you need the life of God, if you say, I don't think I have that and I need that, you are welcome to come down. One of these couples, we'll all pray together. You don't have to do anything embarrassing. You don't have to do anything weird, but come down, talk to one of these couples. We'll pray with you and we'll give you all the next steps that you need to take to become planted in the house of God. You guys can stand up. If there's anybody who, who needs prayer, who wants prayer to find the life of God. And it's not a requirement that you come down to the front and do it. You can call on God anytime. If you want to grab a leader afterwards, if you want to grab somebody, talk to anybody, they'll point you in the right direction. If you want to call on God by yourself in your own time, in your own place, you can. But the gospel says that today is the day of salvation. There's an urgency, meaning that you don't know when you're going to have the chance again. Don't miss it. Become planted. Talk to God. For the rest of us, I'd like to just pray a general prayer. How many have felt that at times you haven't been planted or you haven't been drawing enough nutrients or you're dried out or you're brittle or storms have come and they've pushed you around or pushed you over? How many of you feel like you may have been planted in the sand? <laughs> that your roots don't quite go down deep enough. And so good things come, life comes, and then it runs through the sand and it's gone. I feel like that lots of times. I'm gonna pray a general prayer for everybody and then we'll dismiss. Dear Father, thank you so much for this group of people. Thank you so much that you would come and you would offer to be with us. And God, we don't wanna do things our own way. We don't want to be rogue trees. Father, we don't want to be trees that try our best to take and take and take and at the end of the day end up cursed because we're not taking from the right person, from you, God. You give life. God, we want to come to your house. We want to be planted in your house, in your way. We don't want to make things up. We don't want to dictate our own life. We don't want to decide what our destiny is going to be. Father, we want to come home to you. And Father, if anyone here struggles with picturing God as being the Father who comes running down the path to greet them, if any of us struggle, if anybody here struggles saying that storms of life have tossed me around, they've broken me, if anyone struggles saying I've uprooted so many times I don't know if I can survive how many transplants I've experienced. God, there's so much that happens in life, but we know where life is found. It's found in your house. It's found in devotion to you. It's found in your word. And God, I pray that each and every person here, God, will be planted in the house. Their roots will go deep. Father, it'll go deep enough into the soil that you've created for us to feed on. 
God, it's not just pursuing happiness. We know it's not pursuing relationships for their own sake. We know that it's not pursuing all the things that the world goes after. But God, the nutrients that you've provided come from being in Christian community, in your church, feeding from your word and from your spirit, God. I pray that you will bless every person in here. God, I pray that each person will take this home and make a deliberate decision to become planted. And not just to become planted so that they're stationary, but to become planted so that they can produce fruit. God, they'll bring other people with them. Other people's lives will be impacted. Other people's lives will be changed. Father, their kids will be uh, awesome, amazing. Father, that their businesses will thrive, education. Every area that they're involved with will thrive. And But they'll always know that it's not because of how great they are, but it's because they're planted in the right spot. Father, I pray, pray you bless each and every individual in here today. In Jesus' name, amen.